You are now listening to the people of digital marketing with your host, me, Kenny Soto. This podcast is your source for marketing strategies, tactics, and most importantly, career advice from the best digital marketers in the world. From B2B to B2C, startups to Fortune 500 companies, and everything in between, I interview experts in marketing so that we can grow to become better marketers together. If you're a marketer who wants a leg up in this space, well, guess what? You're in the right place. Thanks for tuning in. One of the things that I see too often is that people will either not warm up their uh, sender deliver like their sender reputation and email deliverability properly. Um, so that's always something that you should be talking to your your email service provider about, like a, a Clavio or a Mailchimp. They usually have um, you know a recommended plan for the first thirty days of warming up your list to make sure make sure that you're getting a good reputation with inbox providers like Gmail, Yahoo, and, and all those other ones. Um, so you don't, you don't want to send to unengaged people when you first start out. So that would be the first thing is that you want to start strong by sending to your most engaged audiences. The next thing, uh, I would say is that people don't send emails often enough. So there there's magic and money to be made in the reminder email. If you think about, you know, the average open rate being, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30% and up, uh, that means over half of your audience is not seeing your emails most of the time. So that could be, it just wasn't the right time. They didn't get to it. You know, people are not opening all of your emails as soon as they hit the inbox as, as nice as that would be. You just heard a clip from our latest guest on episode 102, Joe Portsmouth. Joe works as the director of retention at the Beard Club. In his spare time, he's been growing his audience of more than 30,000 followers on both Twitter and LinkedIn by sharing daily marketing tips and content geared towards direct-to-consumer marketers. He has generated over $50 million in revenue with email marketing throughout his career and recently finished teaching his first Email Marketing 101 course on Maven. Other brands he's helped in the world of marketing include Hopsy, FanDuel, and Pet Honesty. In this episode, we talk about retention, email marketing, and briefly cover SMS. If you have someone who's an email marketing specialist or owns email on your team, share this episode with them. Now, without further ado, let's tune in. Hi, Joe. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. So we just, uh, before recording, talked about how we're both in New York, which is pretty cool. And I gave you a little background on the podcast. For those who have been listening, yes, we have just hit two years of the podcast, which as of recording this episode is pretty wild to say. This episode is going to be episode 102, which is also wild to say. And Joe, we haven't had someone on the podcast yet who's an expert in DSC, email, SMS, etc. Before we get into that, I want to get more background into how you got into digital marketing. So I think that's the best place to start. Yeah, so uh, I went to grad school at Northeastern to get my MBA. And part of their program is that you have to take a corporate residency, um, which is basically a, a six-month full-time job. So I got placed uh, at a construction products 
B2B manufacturer and I was selling, you know, concrete supplies and things that I've never heard of before. Uh, it was my first intro to, to all things marketing. So I, I did a little bit of everything. I did some social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, editing the website with some copy. Uh, and then it was also my first introduction to, to email marketing. So it was kind of, you know, by chance that I landed there and in that particular industry, it, it felt very random and didn't know if it would be what I wanted to do full-time, but uh, I knew that marketing felt right, um, but maybe not selling construction products. And can you tell the audience, just to get more context, what you're doing at the Beard Club? Yeah, so at the Beard Club, I'm the director of retention. So that means uh, everything related to getting our customers coming back. So we're uh, a full-time subscription business. I think 99% of our orders that come in are on subscription. And so my goal is to get people to stay on subscription and also to, to buy a little bit more over time. So that's increasing our customer lifetime value with upsell and cross-sell offers that are relevant to our customers and just making it an overall great customer experience that makes them want to come back again and again. What are the unique challenges that a subscription slash D2C business faces that other business don't? I think the biggest thing is not everyone wants to be on subscription. So being upfront about that and making sure that people are aware, no matter, that's one thing that I've learned. I've been at a couple of different subscription companies, no matter how transparent you think you are as a company, there will always be people that say, I had no idea I was on subscription and they'll want to cancel. So it's it's about probably more than anything, managing expectations. Um, so like someone that comes to our, our site and wants to grow a beard, um, getting them on a, a cadence of buying every month is what they need to do to get the best results of their product, of our product. So if someone, you know, is saying that they have too much product after a month, that could be an education issue where we're not telling them how to properly use the product. So we got to uh, invest more time into that from like maybe an email or SMS marketing standpoint or on site. Yeah. And it's just uh, about making sure that, you know, they know how to get the most out of the product at the right cadence to get the best results. Now let's, let's dive into email. We'll yep. get into SMS, but when it comes to email marketing, can you give us the lay of the land, if you will, as to how that fits within the broader marketing effort for the Beard Club. Yeah. So one of the most important things I think for, for any D2C website is lead capture. So someone comes to your site, you know, I'm sure you've heard the stats before, over 95% of your traffic is going to come to your site and they're going to bounce. They're not going to place an order on that visit. So in order to keep the conversation going, it's so important to capture email and SMS uh, to keep that conversation going. And I, the, the way that we look at it from the, the Beard Club perspective is anyone who's coming to our site that has never purchased before, we want to educate them about the product. So we send them through a quiz funnel that gets to the root of their pain point. Maybe it's Apache Beard or they want to grow a full beard, but they've never been able to. And so they answer a few questions about where they're at now, where they want to go, 
And then that gives us the power to then send them the best recommendations via email. So it's like we, we prime them for the best educational experience from day one with email. And then we keep that conversation going over time. Are you in any way repurposing content from other channels to aid in the email marketing? Yeah. So when we see a, a, a Facebook ad that's performing well, that is getting people in, and maybe it's like some UGC content or testimonials, um, we'll use that same sort of imagery and copy uh, in our emails because we know that that's resonating with people. So yeah, there's definitely some sharing of learnings uh, across channels. What metrics matter when it comes to email marketing? And I ask this because with changes to iOS, uh, I think it was 14. Yeah. I think, and this is my personal opinion, you can disagree with me, open rates don't matter anymore. Yeah. What, what would you say about that? Yeah, no, open rates, I, I feel like they've become sort of a, a vanity metric. Uh, the best way to measure engagement is um, looking at your click rates and just how many orders you're getting off of each email. Um, but, the, but the thing is, email click rates don't tell the whole story. Um, so one thing that we've been seeing a lot is click rates don't always necessarily correlate to revenue. So we can send really good educational content that gets people engaged in their reading, but that doesn't really lead to revenue. So also looking at your email performance from a revenue per send standpoint it is also beneficial for understanding, you know, at the end of the day, you're trying to drive purchases with your email. So it's, a, it's good to have that balance of looking at engagement and then also uh, performance. Some people, and I've heard this in conversation with past clients, some people believe that email marketing is a nice to have. It's an outdated tactic. You usually tack it on after all your other channels are optimized. Do you think email marketing is out of style? I couldn't uh, disagree more. And I'm probably the most biased person, but probably also one of the, the more educated people on the topic. At my last company, email drove 30% of our company's revenue. Then you layer in SMS driving another 25 to 30%. And that's 50 to 60%, 50 to 60% of revenue coming from those two channels alone. So they, they can totally have a ton of weight and drive performance for the business. And, and I feel like it's the best way to communicate with your customers is having these messages trigger, particularly in an automated fashion at the right time with the right content. It really makes the customer experience better uh, from an education standpoint. And also just from a business standpoint, you're able to get conversions at a high rate when you're sending your emails at the right time. So uh, I, I think that it's it's probably underutilized and it's such a high ROI channel. I'm sure you've seen these stats too where, you know, email generates $38 for every $1 invested. So I, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Everyone still has email. Everyone still checks your emails. It's harder and harder to stand out in the inbox and that's probably the biggest challenge, but I, I would not say that uh, it's out of style or anything like that. So Joe... Let's say that I am leading a marketing team. I want to do email, but I'm concerned that I might not be starting off on the right foot. What do teams usually do wrong when launching their first set of email marketing campaigns? One of the things that I see too often is that 
people will either not warm up their uh, sender deliver like their sender reputation and email deliverability properly. Um, so that's always something that you should be talking to your your email service provider about, like a, a Clavio or a Mailchimp. They usually have um, you know a recommended plan for the first thirty days of warming up your list to make sure make sure that you're getting a good reputation with inbox providers like Gmail, Yahoo, and, and all those other ones. Um, so you don't, you don't want to send to unengaged people when you first start out. So that would be the first thing is that you want to start strong by sending to your most engaged audiences. The next thing, uh, I would say is that people don't send emails often enough. So there there's magic and money to be made in the reminder email. If you think about, you know, the average open rate being, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30% and up, uh, that means over half of your audience is not seeing your emails most of the time. So that could be, it just wasn't the right time. They didn't get to it. You know, people are not opening all of your emails as soon as they hit the inbox as, as nice as that would be. So having the right cadence of, you know, respectful follow-ups and reminders and just not giving up after one email is probably the next uh, biggest mistake that I would see. This might not be applicable in every situation, but have you done any cross-channel coordination where there might be some content that's going out on social or on a paid channel that then coincides with content that's being um, presented via email? Um, I, I've done things like site-wide promotions. You know, if um, you know Amazon Prime Day is tomorrow, so there will be you know promotions going out for all of our social channels and we'll be promoting things in email and SMS. So there is a coordination from that standpoint, but is that what you were getting at with that question? Yeah. Cause I think one of the challenges that marketers have when they're just trying to collaborate with team members is sometimes it's difficult unless you're a leader that's had experience in multiple functions, it's difficult to know how to coordinate the content that's going on in one channel and matching it to the same kind of messaging that's going on in the other without just directly copying the content, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Uh, I've always noticed that it's nice to have someone who kind of leads the overall company promotional strategy. So I've played that role in past companies at this, uh, at the beer club, it's like more led by, um, the social team. So it's like, Who's going to step up and plan out the promotion and then make sure that everyone has their ducks in a row and is getting like their specific tasks done for, for the team? Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of coordination required for bigger initiatives like that. Do the same tactics that work for email work for SMS? Um, for the most part, uh, I would say yes. The I think the biggest differences with SMS and email is SMS, you should probably send less often, you know, because texting someone is a little more intrusive than ending up in their inbox. Um, so I, I usually cap our SMS campaigns at two to three absolute max per week. Whereas email, uh, I've been at companies where we send emails every day. And so like the way that I think about email is you can send emails as long as you're providing valuable content. And I think, you know, as a marketer, when you're just kind of spamming people versus when you're delivering something that's worth sending. Um, but even with SMS, it doesn't matter. I can't think of many companies that can get away with sending a text every day before getting uh, people annoyed. So 
that would be one thing that's different. But in terms of like the content that you're sending and, um, you know, the promotions that you're sending, a lot of the times what we'll do is take a multi-channel approach where, you know, we send an email with a piece of content on a Monday and then Wednesday of that week, we're following up with similar content uh, via SMS to just kind kind of reinforce the same message uh, and multiple touch points because it takes multiple touch points for something to stick in someone's head. So that's that's one way that I like to approach the two of them combined. If you were to hire an email marketing specialist, what skills, what experience, what kind of thinking frameworks would you look for in the ideal candidate? Yeah. So one of the biggest things, I think the most important skill for an email marketing specialist is attention to detail. You will have to QA everything from subject lines to from fields to preview text to copy in the email to where the links are going to the copy in the email and and making sure that everything makes sense. The, the segmentation on who it's going to uh, are you excluding the right people and not uh, sending the wrong message to the wrong person? Do you have the right disclaimer information at the bottom of your email if you're sending a coupon offer? Like there, there are so many little details that go into it, and having just one of those off, it, like I'm sure you've received emails where you get you know the high first name because the the dynamic code is not set up correctly, so. That's probably first and foremost, like the most important skill. And that probably goes for a lot of jobs like that, that are very technical and require, um, you know, a, a very heavy QA process. Another one, uh, I would say that's extremely beneficial is copywriting skills, being able to identify who your target audience is and then find the messaging that resonates with them and promote that in a very effective and appealing way because the design can only do so much like people are reading the copy at the end of the day and that's what's going to convince them to to you know take action on your email so copywriting and attention to detail are, are probably two of the biggest ones that that i look for initially when you know vetting candidates this doesn't have to do just with email it can be with marketing in general what are some of your favorite marketing tools Favorite marketing tools. I love Clavio as an email service provider. I've I've tried my fair share over the course of the last seven plus years, and they're by far the best. And I, I can't imagine going to another company that doesn't use them. I, I think they're really solid. Attentive. I, I like them for SMS. They are really solid. They they have probably the best account management that I've ever had with working with any vendor. They just, they have, they, they provide excellent insights on strategy. They're always willing to help out with either setting up campaigns or going the extra mile and like setting up a test for us. So, um, those two are, are, are the ones that stand out the most in my mind. Two more questions for you. What is the biggest marketing challenge your company faces this year? That's a good question. The biggest challenge that we face this year, I think, is the the economic climate that we're in right now is really unique. So, like, the Beard Club is not necessarily a uh, 
me to have product. I'm, some people might might say that, but for the overwhelming majority, it's going to be uh, not a, a necessity. So I think our biggest challenge is going to be how do we cut through that with our messaging, um, you know, to kind of uplift people and, and make them feel more confident during a time where they might not necessarily be, um, you know, in the highest spirits during a recession or economic downturn. So I think it's going to be like finding that balance of making sure that our, our business is running efficiently, um, but also just that our messaging is resonating with customers during a, a time that uh, where, where wallets are probably a little bit tighter. Before I ask my last question, I just have to say personally, after growing my facial hair, my confidence shut up through the roof. So yeah. I would argue that it's it's a need to have. <laughs> now, my last question is hypothetical. Yeah. Because time machines don't exist. Yeah. But if they did, you can go back into the past about 10 years, knowing everything you know right now, how would you specifically accelerate the speed of your career? Oh, that that's an easy question. I would start writing online. Um, so I, I've only started writing on Twitter and LinkedIn in the last nine months. And that's how you found me and invited me on this, uh, podcast. And the amount that I've learned in that short amount of time from other marketers and just people that I've connected with on, in, on the internet that I would never meet in real life, I think has just exponentially, uh, sped up my, my learning curve and like even just the amount that I've learned about copywriting in the last nine months alone from Twitter is pretty remarkable. And, you know, if I, if I was to do one thing over, it would be to start sooner, start connecting with other people in the industry and start learning from people that are writing and putting their thoughts out there right now. Because I think copywriting, like, like I mentioned for hiring an email marketing specialist, I think it's one of the most useful skills that you can use in pretty much any profession. It's like, you're, you're selling at, at any role that you're in, whether you, you think you are or not, you're convincing people and making people take action. That That's a very valuable skill to have. And so um, I think you can learn a lot by just doing it every day for a long period of time. Absolutely. Joe, if anyone wanted to say hi to you, where can they go? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Portsmouth and also on LinkedIn. I started posting a lot of my, my thoughts on LinkedIn. So that's been a, a fun new uh, journey. And for anyone who wants to do a deep dive, I'll actually put three of my favorite LinkedIn posts that Joe has shared in the show notes. And with that being said, Joe, thank you for your time today. And as always, thank you to you, the listener, for listening to another episode of the People Digital Marketing Podcast. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe, give us a review, and share this with your network of other marketers. And as always, I hope everyone has a great week. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the People of Digital Marketing Podcast. On episode 103, I have Julia Griffith. Who's Julia? Julia is a senior marketing leader at Genentech and a former marketing director at Pfizer. In this episode that we'll have next week, I'll be asking her questions like, what does being on purpose mean to her? Does she think marketers can realize their purpose no matter which industry or company they work at? What it takes to become an executive? And is CMO the only path a marketer can take? Among other questions. If you're interested in this next episode, don't forget to subscribe and share this with your team. And as always, I hope everyone has a great week.
拜。Hey, thanks again for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to submit a rating and leave a review on your podcasting app. Reviews like this help to grow this podcast and get it to more people like yourself, people who want to grow in their marketing careers. If you want to say hello, you can find me on any social media platform by simply searching Kenny Soto. I look forward to hearing from you soon, and as always, let's keep growing together.